culture is always trying to define human existence. Our culture is completely afraid of nothingness. Our culture continually lies to itself about how bad we actually are. This quest for meaning, it also goes into the Bible. We have in chapter 2, verse 1 to 11, a teacher, and he was looking for the meaning. He was searching. This man, he was very rich, he was very wise, and had some free time. And that's what he spent his time doing. So the first point is that the teacher searches for meaning in pleasure and good times. So open up to verses 1 to 3. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure, test with pleasure, to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. He looks for meaning and pleasure. And that's what we do. The next big party, that's what the week leads up to. The next big holidays, when you guys start to work, you'll really put a massive emphasis on that next holiday. That's what drives you in between the time where you are and the holiday. And so the teacher tries it. He tries to look in pleasure. And the teacher, he's not like us. We're very limited in our search for pleasure. We're limited by the fact that we don't have as much money for him. So on our holidays, in our look for pleasure, we might get to go to Seals Rocks. Or we might get to go to even Fiji. But this guy, he's the sort of bloke who hires the whole of Fiji for his will. And that's what he can do. He's king. And he does it. He looks for pleasure. And the conclusion he comes to is not what you expect. What does pleasure accomplish, he says? What does it actually give us? Pleasure, parting, it didn't satisfy his need. It didn't satisfy his meaning, his thirst for meaning. And just quickly on drinking, don't try and find meaning in this world at the bottom of a bottle. A lot of my mates still, and even as we're getting older, it's still the same. You go, how was your weekend? It was amazing. What did you do? Oh, I got plastered. All right, so what did you do? Oh, I can't really remember. Cool. How much money did you use? Oh, a couple hundred. Cool. How was your weekend? Oh, it was amazing. And you just end up in this cycle. See, we always look for that next high, the next pleasure, the next party, but it accomplished nothing. And culturally speaking, Australia really pushes this. Do what makes you happy. Do what you want. But here we see the teacher. This is the guy who can actually do whatever he wants. But they're just an escape. They don't actually address the problem. They don't actually address the meaning. It's not the solution. And so some application, don't spend your time chasing 
pleasure. Don't waste your time chasing that amazing six-month holiday in Europe. Especially for you guys, when you leave school, the next five years genuinely, or generally, generally, shape the rest of your life. What you do in the next five years generally determines how the rest of your life goes. So don't spend it chasing pleasure because it leads to nothing. It leads to an empty hole. Now the teacher, he looked at pleasure and he couldn't find the answer. So he turns to something else. And that's our second point. He turns to projects and accomplishments. So open your Bibles again. Verse... Four to six. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. So the teacher, he realizes there's no meaning in pleasure. There's no point to following it. So he moves to achievements, accomplishments, building things. Surely they will bring us some meaning. I mean, when you successfully build something or when you successfully accomplish something, it really gives you a good feeling. So why wouldn't the teacher go that way? But once again, he doesn't do little things like we do. You know, we might build a surfboard rack or something tiny. We might do really well in the HSC, something small. This guy's building massive things. He's building houses, his vineyards, his reservoirs, gardens, parks. Anything he wants to build, he builds. And when he completes them, he looks at them and he's really happy. Verse 10, his heart finds pleasure. These projects would have been amazing. But then he thinks about it. All the time, all the energy spent, all the toil spent, it was vanity. Nothing was to be gained under the sun. See, no matter what he built, no matter what he accomplished in this life, he will die. And with that, so his accomplishments. We try to grab onto these accomplishments just to give ourselves meaning. I did really good in HSC. I'm really smart. I have meaning. I did really good in this sport. I am the best in Australia. Whatever. We try and grab onto these things. Give ourselves meaning. But in the end, we open our hands and we're holding on to nothing. We will die and so will our accomplishments. Don't spend all your effort and your life living for your accomplishments. It won't matter. You will die. You will not think about them. You're dead. So some application when leaving school and now. Don't miss out on church. Don't miss out on study, on Bible reading, on meeting one-on-one, meeting with the Christian community so you can start accomplishing things and building things. Make sure that you're not spending your life chasing something that is meaningless. So the teacher goes from pleasure and accomplishments, and now he goes on one of the biggest problems that we have today. He looks into amassing great possession and wealth. 
So let's read verse 7 and 9. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. So the pleasure, the accomplishment didn't work. So he goes to getting things. And he has slaves. He has more herds and more flocks than anyone before him. He's got gold. He's got silver. He's got treasure. He's got singers. I mean, how many people here have a singer that just follows them? And not one of those annoying friends that just can't sing and just go like that in your ear. Like a proper singer who's good. We don't have them. He had become greater than anyone before him. He had amassed everything. Surely this would have satisfied him. Surely through this, he could have had meaning. This guy has had everything he wanted. Verse 10 says he did not deny himself anything. That means he looks at something, he wants it, he gets it. And that's what we always try and say. If only I had that, I'd be happy. This guy did that. He took it. And look at the conclusion he comes to. It's the same thing. What's the point? It's chasing wind. Nothing is achieved under the sun. Surely someone who has everything they wanted would have meaning in this life. But it's just an appearance. Wealth Possession doesn't answer the question of death. The poor die. The rich die. The man who has nothing dies. The man who has everything dies. The teacher tries to find satisfaction in wealth and possession, but it's empty. That's why no one is truly ever happy with what they got. That's why we're always looking for more. The superstars, always. Us, we are incredibly wealthy, we're incredibly rich, and we have a lot of just junk in general. Yet we are always looking for more. Here's a quick little test. Hands up right now if you have an iPhone or an Android. I have one. I'm in this too. All right. Keep your hand up if before the phone you had now was an iPhone or an Android of any type. All right. Keep your hands up. This will be me as well. If technically your old phone, it still did the two main functions that a phone should do, called and text. Why? Why do we move on to things when what we have is all we need? Our clothes, cars, houses, we spend our life trying to increase what we have or improve what we have, hoping that it will satisfy our search for meaning. But it is meaningless. The teacher here, he has everything he wants. Nothing escaped him. And when you break it down, pleasure, accomplishment, possession, wealth, it's meaningless. Doesn't bring complete happiness. Doesn't bring complete fulfillment. Doesn't bring complete meaning. This guy has had the best life. 
But no matter how good he is, no matter what he has, no matter what he achieved, no matter what he gained, no matter what he built, no matter what he did, it doesn't matter because he dies. Death destroys the meaning for anything under the sun. And our society, it doesn't really like to think about that at all. It doesn't really actually like to think about death at all. See, if more people thought about death, they really wouldn't waste time doing stupid little things that we do. Why do it? We're going to die. Generally, we go through life ignoring the fact that death eliminates anything we do. And we ignore it. And we try and fill it with meaningless, perishable things that do not last. So if we can't find meaning in them, what can we actually find meaning in? So remember, Ecclesiastes is from the point of view under the sun. So the teacher, the guy who wrote Ecclesiastes, he is just observing what is under the sun. And what he has observed is that it's meaningless. He hasn't taken the zoomed out approach. So that's what we're going to do. We look out further. We now know Christ sacrificed his life for us. We can have meaning. We can have meaning in Christ. We can have meaning in something that is eternal, something that will last forever. forever. We can have meaning in Christ. How can we have a meaning in Christ? Well, we can have a life of meaning through a life lived for Christ. So everyone turn to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We can have meaning. We can have meaning in work in the Lord. So give yourselves fully to him. Your labor is not in vain. Your life is not in vain. The teacher couldn't find a meaningful life under the sun, because it was perishable. Yet, there can be meaning in the eternal. So things done for Christ have eternal value, eternal meaning. Serving Christ has meaning. Living for Christ has meaning. Evangelizing for Christ has meaning. If you want true satisfaction, if you want true meaning, true purpose then live the life that you were made for. Live the life that you were created for. Any other life lived is a meaning that you have made up yourself and it will ultimately end in futile and frustration. So everyone's heard this analogy, but it's awesome, and so I'm going to use it again. A train. When does the train have purpose, meaning, and satisfaction? 
Is it when it's decided that it's going to do what it wants and go off the tracks, where it ends up on its side, not moving, stationless, movingless, um, futile, frustrated? Yeah, I make up words. Or does the train have meaning when it's doing what it was made for? We were created for, by God, for God. And this is amazing news. This means we can have meaning. So looking at how now we should live. First of all, is your life in Christ? Do you have him as your Lord? Are you working for him? If tonight you're here for the first, second, third, 50th time, whatever, and really you're the guy or girl who's sitting there right now and you're talking to yourself and you'd get distracted by flies and you're looking like that, it's great you're here. We love having you here. But don't waste your time here. Ask leaders, ask your friends questions. Find out more about this stuff because there's only one life that has meaning. So don't leave it. Do something about it. Secondly, don't fall into the trap of trying to find meaning in worldly things. They will disappoint you. You know, if, if I get that smoking hot wife, which I did, but if I do, or if I get that dream job, or if I get on to that safari trip in Africa, my life will be complete. My life will have meaning. No. There will not be no meaning in perishable, under the sun things. They will disappoint you. I see so many friends fall away from church because things of the world draw them in. And at first, they're loving it, stuff like career. But as time goes on, it doesn't fulfill their needs and it disappoints them. Thirdly, fill your lives with things that eternally matter. How do you actually spend your time? Do you serve Christ? It's such a big indicator of your heart. Do you sacrifice for Christ? Do you serve at youth group? There are so many things you could do for a house and for yourselves. There's always need for help. Do you encourage others because you know that that's Christ-like? Do you help others? Do you support others? Do you live a life for Christ? I've been hearing a few stories lately of how people completely shift their lives, completely change careers, completely change how they live, downgrade their house, downgrade their car, so that they can serve Christ. See, they see what is meaning. They see that living a life as a doctor, while maybe good, is not eternal. Serving Christ is eternal. 
And it warms my heart every time I hear it because they get it. Are you living the way you were created for? Or are you searching for meaning in something that will leave you unfulfilled, disappointed, and let down? I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for your son. Um, We thank you so much that in you we have purpose. In you we have meaning. Um, And I pray that through that we live lives that glorify you. Amen.